Greetings. You have wandered upon Broomstay Witchery, a podcast that explores all things pagan. My name is Sabrin Whitethorn, and I'll be your guide. So grab yourself some tea and come talk a spell with me. Well, Broomies, it's a flirty 73 degrees here in Birmingham, Alabama today. That's right. 73 degrees in December. I just asked my friends and family back home in Colorado what the weather is there today, and I got the answers, well, it's not snowing yet, and 29 degrees and windy as fuck. It made me think about when I came here to visit before moving 10 years ago. It was in October, and I was sitting outside of Five Guys. An outdoor seating area in October? That would never happen in Colorado. And my dad sent me a text to tell me it was snowing back home. I remember laughing and thinking, you enjoy that. You enjoy that. It's safe to say I traded mountains and snow for sun and beaches. Four hours away beaches, but still beaches. The closest thing I had to a beach in Colorado was a lake in Loveland that had a sandy side they insisted on referring to as a beach. It always smelled like dead fish and sadness. Moving to the South after living in Colorado was honestly like culture shock in many ways. Ordering iced tea for the first time and taking a sip and having my face almost fall off because there was so much sugar. Sweet tea was not a staple back home. I learned quickly that I had to order unsweet tea if I didn't want to live with permapursed lips from all the sugar. I think that's just one of those things you kind of need to grow up with to love. Grits was another thing I was just not used to. I still can't get behind grits, and it makes me stand out to other people as absolutely not being a Southern girl. It's not a taste thing or really a texture thing. It's something in between. Because I love oatmeal, but I also find that here in the South, most people who don't like grits do like oatmeal and vice versa. I think it's just the idea of something that has a cornbread-like flavor being mushy like oatmeal. It just does not work for me. And believe me, I've tried them every way. Every time I say I don't like grits, someone tells me, try them this way. I think I've had grits at least 15 ways and still just have not found my aha moment yet. One thing I was really excited about leaving behind in Colorado was orange and blue. I'm talking about the Broncos, friends. Football. All of you listening here in Alabama are probably laughing your asses off right about now because you totally know where this is going. When I came and visited that October, I'd borrowed a suitcase from a friend, because right before my trip, the zipper on mine had broken. And of course, she and her family are hardcore Broncos fans, so her suitcase had orange and blue ribbons tied on the handle to make it easier to spot at baggage claim. I remember pulling my suitcase off the belt and having someone say, War Eagle, and just thinking, what the... what does that mean? Of course, later that day, I had it explained to me that those are Auburn colors and that college football is a big deal around here. No. Telling someone who's not from Alabama that college football is a big deal does not cover it. Friends, college football is like the politics of Alabama. It's life. 
So any pipe dreams or excitement that I had about finally getting away from Colorado and never having to see blue and orange everywhere ever again were crushed. So hard that day. In fact, one of the very first questions I heard when I moved here was Alabama or Auburn. Because it's not just about what team you're rooting for. It defines you. It's like someone asking you Republican or Democrat. They're not asking your political preferences to have a nice little chat. They're judging you. They're judging your personality, character, and whether or not they will like or despise you based on your party. And around here, that is football. Tell someone you're an Alabama fan who's an Auburn fan and war ensues. People have been shot in parking lots. Your team will tell people everything they need to know about you, and that is football in the South. Another thing about the South, a church on every corner. There's so much traffic surrounding all these churches every Sunday that they have police officers directing traffic. Politics, football, religion. They are your defining qualities in the South. The first year I moved here, I put some things of mine in a joint yard sale. Mostly odds and ends, but I did have a few books. And one of those books was about crystals. Mind you, it wasn't classified as a religious book. It wasn't about witchcraft or Wicca. It was about the natural energy of stones. I remember watching this woman and what appeared to be her daughter walking around the yard sale carrying a bunch of items. They happened to cross my book and suddenly their entire demeanor changed. They were casting glances up the driveway, speaking in hushed tones, and then suddenly put all the items down and started to walk back to their car. At the last moment, the woman whipped back around and marched, yes, marched up the driveway, grabbed the book and waved it in my face. She said, you know, demons are real, but you know what else is real? God, and he will save you from this sin and evil. I remember standing there blinking and baffled. What on goddess's green earth had I just witnessed? It wasn't an evil book. It was about stones. I can't explain the things that went through my head in that moment. After this incident, several others followed, and after so many years of feeling comfortable with my practice, I just felt like I had to hide. I got rid of all my books and just went deep, deep back into the broom closet. I could not wrap my head around this place. I could not wrap my head around the South. I could not wrap my head around my place or life in it. This lasted for almost two years, two years before I woke up and remembered who I am. The thing about those defining labels, those judgments, sadly, they don't end outside the pagan community. They filter right into it. It's no longer about politics or college football. It's what kind of pagan you are and how you practice. You're Wiccan? Well, Wiccans are just the Christian zealots of the pagan community. You set your altar up what way? That's not right. Oh, is that how you call the quarters? And then there's the big one. You believe in the rule of three? That's like asking someone, wait for it, Auburn or Alabama? immediate judgment. We're all guilty of this, of falling into patterns and becoming too comfortable. Too comfortable with the way we see things, the way we do things, and the next thing you know, we're being judgmental. 
you heard about my big moment in episode three, and completely forgetting why we were drawn to paganism in the first place. While it's different for everyone, and we all have our personal experiences that led us down this path, there are still base statements that almost every pagan will tell you, especially when you start talking about witchcraft, and they are as follows. The first thing you hear the most is that people are drawn to paganism because it's so individual. There's no one book or list of rules that dictate how you should be, who you should be, or how you should practice. And gliding along those same grounds is an overlying statement that you'll hear if you linger around witches for any period of time, on or offline, and that is this. There is no right or wrong way to be pagan. There is no right or wrong way to practice witchcraft. This brings us to the big questions. What is witchcraft? Who are witches? And what exactly does it mean to be Wiccan? Let's begin with the middle question. Who are witches? According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary Online, a witch is a woman thought to have magic powers, especially evil ones, popularly depicted as wearing a black cloak and pointed hat and flying on a broomstick. Verb, cast an evil spell on. Mrs. Mukarski had somehow witched the house. Please tell me that you heard me groan from wherever in the world you're listening from. Did you feel me roll my eyes? Because there was much eye rollage happening here. There are so many issues with this definition. Let's break it down. First, let's take Hollywood out of the picture, shall we? Or more fittingly, leave Hollywood to their own pictures. Magic powers. Of course, this brings to mind Harry Potter and Charmed, where all witches are female and can turn into cats, or, more notably, turn you into a toad. Do witches have magic powers? Yes, but of a different sort. The magic of intuition and intention, energy and evocation. Magic is the ability to make something change or manifest with intention and energy. We'll dip our wands into this later on, but for now, back to the definition. They couldn't leave well enough alone with magical powers. They just had to tack that line on the end, especially evil ones. Yes. Us witches are all evil. We do evil things and cast evil magical spells. Thank you for that extra special treat, Hollywood. Second, the word woman. This is one of the most common misperceptions people have. Male witches are not called sorcerers. They're not called warlocks. They're not called wizards. Male witches are just called witches. In fact, some of my favorite witches in the community are male or non-binary. Witches are witches. Third, the verb usage as somehow witch the house and cast an evil spell on. There's no wonder, as a community, why we're perceived as being evil. Knowledge about witchcraft is readily available, and yet the first online source, what are meant to be the reputable dictionary sources online, give definitions like this. We in the pagan community know why we're perceived the way we are. There's no guesswork involved. Whether it's outdated definitions steeped in Halloween glitter, Hollywood's entertainment taken far too seriously, 
the church's insistence on using anything unknown or different as a scapegoat or just plain ignorance from lack of caring to know the truth, we know why we're seen this way. It's just a question of how far we'll go to educate. Allow me to answer this question without the glitter, without the misperception, and without the big screen. As with so many other things in paganism, there's no one definition. Ask 20 witches and get 20 answers about what being a witch means. But on a general level, a witch is simply a person who practices witchcraft. Is there more to it? Yes. And that's what we'll explore in great detail throughout the witchcraft segments of this podcast. But really, friends, it can be as simple as that. A witch is a person who practices witchcraft. So then, what is witchcraft? Here's what Wikipedia has to say about witchcraft. In various cultural worldviews, witchcraft is the use of magic or supernatural powers, usually to cause harm and misfortune to others. A practitioner of witchcraft is a witch. Well, they caught the last part right, but again, are you seeing the pattern here? From the perspective of anyone looking into witchcraft who doesn't know, and going to what should be reputable sources for information, all of these definitions are steeped in negativity. It's tiresome to constantly see words like causes harm and misfortune to others and evil associated with anything and everything pagan. And the sad fact is, it's never going to go away. And it's entirely up to us how we respond to it how we educate others, and how we support each other within the community. I guess we just live in a world where pointing fingers at subcultures of people or anyone different is just easier than facing the truth. And the truth is that all people, regardless of religious belief or lifestyle, are capable of committing evil acts. Let's strip away the unnecessary bits and bobs of negativity and go for the simplified definition of what witchcraft is. In its most basic form, witchcraft is the use of energy to make change. You can jump off the board of these very basic and simplified definitions and dive as deep as you like into witchcraft. And no matter how long you search or how many years you practice, you'll never find the bottom. You'll always find a new opinion, a new practice, a new source, because again, there's no right or wrong way to practice witchcraft. And now that we've established that witchcraft is a use of energy to make change, and that those who practice witchcraft are witches, I'd like to give you a brief overview of the religion of Wicca. Wicca is a polytheistic pagan religion that embraces witchcraft in its rites and practices. Before I go any further than that, I'd like to clear up a few things that people most often find confusing. You do not have to be Wiccan in order to be a witch. You do not have to be Wiccan in order to practice witchcraft. In fact, you don't even have to have religious beliefs in order to call yourself a witch or to practice witchcraft. Wicca is often referred to as a new old religion. It combines both old surviving pagan and folk traditions with more modern elements. Wicca is a religion that reveres nature, observes the cycle of the seasons and harvests, and works with the phases of the moon and by the life of the sun. 
It incorporates witchcraft and many other pagan-centric rites and rituals. As a Wiccan, one believes in both the goddess and the god equally, which we see as the crowned goddess of the moon and the horned god of the sun. As Wicca reveres nature, and nature is about polar opposites, night and day, winter and summer, the feminine and the masculine, the goddess and the god represent these things, life and energy, reproduction, birth, growth, death, and rebirth. Wiccans follow an ethical guideline that comes in two parts, the Wiccan Read and the Threefold Law. These two aspects of Wicca carry much debate and are arguably the most controversial aspects of Wicca for most witches who follow a different path. The Wiccan Read comes in several lengthy forms and one, more common, shortened version. It's considered to be the inviolate rule of witchcraft within Wicca. I will now read this condensed version for you. Bide the Wiccan law ye must, in perfect love and perfect trust. These eight words the Wiccan read fulfill, and ye harm none, do what ye will. And ever mind the rule of three, what ye send out comes back to thee. Follow this with mind and heart, and marry ye meet, and marry ye part. The Wiccan read, in its simplest interpretation, states that Wiccans may do as they please as long as they do not cause harm, and that they should mind the rule of three, which brings us to the second part of the Wiccan ethical guideline, the Threefold Law. The Threefold Law, or Rule of Three, in its most basic state, says that whatever you put out, good or bad, will come back to you times three. It essentially acts as a co-pilot to the Wiccan read, stating that we're responsible for our own individual actions and will accept both the rewards and consequences of whatever actions or intentions we release. Both the Wiccan Read and the Threefold Law have many interpretations. Every Wiccan is going to view these differently and incorporate them into their practice in a different way. Some Wiccans feel very strongly about the Rule of Three, while others do not consider it part of their practice at all. These two concepts are a big reason that some people don't always take Wiccans seriously. Many Wiccans become so set in their ways that judgment begins to rear its ugly head, and we forget that basic understanding we loved so well in the beginning, that there is no one right or wrong way to practice. I would love to dive into these elements of Wicca at a later time and offer my viewpoint, which is somewhere in the middle. I do believe in the rule of three, I just don't believe in it the way many others do, and that's an explanation for another time. Wiccans may choose to practice within a coven or as solitary practitioners. This is a personal choice. Some Wiccans believe that in order to call yourself Wiccan, you must join a coven, study for a year and a day, and be formally initiated into Wicca. Others believe that a personal dedication to the goddess and god on one's own is all they need in order to become Wiccan. Again, this is all personal, and there's no one right or wrong way. Much of this depends on the path you follow. Wicca has different paths or branches, also referred to as traditions. The easiest way to explain a tradition of Wicca is to compare it to something most people already understand, Christianity. Inside the Christian religion, there are many branches, such as Baptist or Lutheran, 
And while they're all considered Christianity, each branch may do things differently or believe in separate concepts within the religion. This is similar to the idea of traditions within Wicca. Some paths or traditions of Wicca are fairly open with their rituals and practices, while others are very strictly upheld. Some may allow information about their processes to be public, while others are extremely secretive. Many things within a tradition can only be learned or understood if you're initiated into a coven that follows that tradition, or if you're a solitary practitioner, you may have been taught these traditions by others. There are many traditions within Wicca. Gardenerian Wicca, Alexandrian Wicca, and Dianic Wicca are just three of the more common traditions, although there are many, many others out there and more created all the time. When looking for a teacher of Wicca or a tradition to follow, it's wise to ask how long they've been practicing and who they learned from or what their tradition is based on. I'll go into detail about specific traditions and their histories in later episodes. I'd like to talk with you next about the Holy Days of Wicca. The Wiccan calendar is seen as a wheel, and is in fact called the Wheel of the Year. It turns continuously and represents the cyclical nature of the year and its seasons, as well as the stages of life, death, and rebirth. As the Great Wheel turns, it also symbolizes the completing of the life cycles of the Lord and Lady, and within the Wheel of the Year, there are eight festivals of celebration, four major and four minor. These are called Sabbaths, which tune Wiccans into the energies of nature and the agricultural phases of the year. The four major Sabbaths are Imbolc, which celebrates the first planting of spring, Beltane, which celebrates the second planting, rebirth of all nature, and the cultivation of spring crops, Lunasa, which celebrates the first of the fall harvest, and Sawin, the celebration of the second fall harvest. The four minor Sabbaths are Ostara, the spring equinox, Litha, the summer solstice, Mabon, the autumn equinox, and Yule, the winter solstice. As I previously mentioned, Wiccans work with the phases of the moon. The Sabbaths are celebrational festivals and are solar-driven, celebrating the agricultural life given by the god, the sun. Most of the magic worked in Wicca is done so with our ritual observances. These are called espots and are lunar-driven to represent the lady or goddess and her various forms of life, and take place by the waxing, waning, and full moons of the year. I've told you a number of things that Wicca is. Now I'd like to focus on some things that Wicca is not. Wicca is not anti-Christian or satanic. Wiccans do not lure your children into gingerbread houses or take our tea with Satan. We do not seek to destroy the Christian faith or any faith. We might argue, in fact, that the opposite has felt more true over the years. But who are we to look at history? Wicca is not proselytizing. We do not try to convert anyone to Wicca. Wiccans, in fact, operate on the assumption that if someone is interested in Wicca, they will seek it out by way of their own spiritual journey. One common thing I often hear is about that one Wiccan at work who's always trying to convert me. I'm never really sure how to respond to this. We don't do that. The only thing I can assume here is that these Wiccans dare to talk about the religion openly and is being perceived as a converting technique. I assure you, it's not. 
Wicca is not just about witchcraft. As I mentioned before, witchcraft can be practiced outside Wicca. Wicca is a religion. If you're seeking only the practice of witchcraft and the religious aspects of Wicca don't speak to you, you might want to reconsider calling yourself Wiccan, as you don't need it to practice magic. I hope this very brief overview of Wicca has been helpful, as it will pave the way for later episodes where we'll dive deep into both Wicca and witchcraft. Practices, rituals and spell work, holidays, history, and much more. As you're now aware, Wicca and witchcraft are two separate things, and although witchcraft is a huge part of Wicca, it's not the only part, and witchcraft is not dependent upon Wicca. Therefore, I'll be sure to title episodes accordingly, using Wicca in titles that are specific to the religion. Before we part ways, I'd like to give a small shout out to various pagan accounts on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok that I find educational or entertaining, Etsy are online shops that are pagan-based, websites, books, products, and physical stores that are pagan-written, crafted, owned, and operated. This week, I'd like to shine my pagan spotlight on Nashville Crystal Store. Back in early November, I went to Nashville, Tennessee to see Vendette in concert, specifically getting to the city hours early to check out some pagan shops, and the Nashville Crystal Store was truly the gem of my day. This was by far the most gorgeous crystal shop I have ever been in to date. The energy was amazing. I felt like a gnat riding a wave, being pulled in so many different directions. I could have spent an entire day in the shop and still felt like I didn't see everything. It's chock full from floor to ceiling with more crystals than I've ever seen in one place before. They were extremely welcoming and clearly knowledgeable. This will be a shop I return to in the near future. As always, I'll link their website and Instagram in the podcast description. Oh, and one last thing. At the beginning of this episode, I bragged about having 73 degree weather in December. I wrote that on Sunday. Today, Tuesday, it was 39 degrees. I feel like there should be some kind of wickedy humor inserted here about karma or the threefold law. Ha! See what I did there? Thank you for conjuring up some time to spend with me today. And until next time, Broomies, remember, don't drink and fly.